0: This week, increasing concern about the impact of gold mining on the wild Atlantic salmon that are sacred for Mi'kmaq people. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. This is episode 199. Thanks for your support via patreon.com slash MiGMA matters or by email transfer miGMA.matters at gmail.com. There are at least two gold mine developments currently going through the environmental review process. We'll see what conditions are imposed by federal and provincial regulators. But we know one thing that will not be considered. The downstream impact of the effluent produced in the process of removing gold from the raw ore. Cyanide, arsenic, and other dangerous chemicals will supposedly be removed from the water before it's flushed into rivers such as the Exploits, the most important Salmon River on the island of Newfoundland. But what will be the effect on already vulnerable salmon from the flushing of such waste water into their natural habitat? Salmon conservationists are alarmed. Our guest this week is one of them. Don Ivany is director of Newfoundland and Labrador programs for the Atlantic Salmon Federation. And we welcome Don Ivany from the Atlantic Salmon Federation, director of programs in Newfoundland and Labrador. And, um... I suppose uh, Don, um, on the island portion, uh, one of your main areas of focus now is the gold rush and what that means for uh, for salmon and salmon preservation. That's the the big story, I suppose, at the moment.
1: Yes, it is, Glenn, and uh, thank you for having me, first of all. And uh, certainly, uh, there certainly seems to be a, a real interest in gold lately. And certainly, in terms of some of the technology being used to uh, process the gold. And uh, some of the concerns about, uh, you know, the, the effluent from those uh, operations go, going back into our pristine waterways certainly caused, uh, it certainly got our attention and uh, certain, certainly something that we're quite concerned about.
0: Yes. Well, and we're glad to have you here because even though um, uh, the island of Newfoundland is now the somewhat of the international focus for the gold mining industry, we are... The big thing for the international gold industry, but um, at home uh, we don't hear very much about it. Oddly enough, so we're we're pleased to have you here and to tell us about two meetings you were at recently, one with uh, Marathon Gold, and our listeners will. Um, be very familiar with that name. And also uh, Matador, another mining company. Uh, but let's start with um, with Marathon Gold. And um, let's just remind our listeners where that mine will be built. It will be built, Valentine Lake, at the height of land. And this is a very important watershed on the island of Newfoundland. Tell us a little bit about the location of the Valentine Lake mine.
1: Right, so the, uh, the Marathon mine will be located in the upper portion of the Exploits watershed. Uh, and it is located in a pretty sensitive area in that it's at height of land um, that uh, borders between, I guess, uh, uh, the watershed, uh, in, in the Exploits watershed, which which drains to the north, and also. Um, rivers uh, such as uh, Gray River and, and White Bear River, which is part of are, are drain to the south, which are, um, you know, a part of the hydro developments in Bay Despair at that mm. particular time. So it's at height of land. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a very uh, sensitive area in that, uh, um, you know, any impacts from the mine could affect Watershed, you know, the watershed to the north or to the south, and we're talking quite extensive areas, especially when you consider that uh, the Exploits River, for example, has uh, one of the largest runs of salmon in in the province, and the river is is the longest uh, river in the province. It's uh, <clears throat> about 200 miles long, and uh, wild Atlantic salmon can access the entire watershed, and and you know there are salmon. Uh, not only in in the areas near the mine, but uh, in in parts of the watershed, even uh, further upstream.
0: Hmm. Yeah, the exploits. We know the mighty exploits is probably the most important salmon river in Newfoundland in terms of the size, and the. I mean, it is the salmon river. All all rivers are important, but the exploits is uh, is the river in in Newfoundland.
1: Well, as I say, it has one of the largest runs of Atlantic salmon uh, on the island of Newfoundland. Um, This past year was uh, up up near 30,000 fish this this past year. And, uh, you know, uh, there's been a tremendous amount of work uh, done to to, uh, colonize the upper section of the river. At one time, salmon could only get as far as the exploits river, but uh, when the hydro dams were built, Following that, um, there was a lot of effort led by DFO and some local organizations to build fishways around those dams to conduct uh, stocking, major stocking programs uh, throughout the Exploits River. I know I was involved with that at the time, and there was, uh, you know, for about a period of three weeks, there was like 10 million fry a year stocked into the uh hmm. or throughout the entire watershed so millions of dollars spent to create a salmon resource there it is one of the major tourist attractions in the province in terms of from an angler's perspective it's probably one of the most heavily fished rivers for salmon and uh you know uh, uh both you know towns like uh grand falls and bishop falls certainly uh, their their entire tourism season during the summer months uh you know are built around the salmon resource
0: yes now you've been uh, recently. Uh, you were at a meeting with uh, Marathon Gold, developer of the Valentine Lake uh, mine, and uh, I think it was sometime early this month. Was it uh, Don? Sometime in November, you had that meeting.
1: Yes, it was. Yes, a couple weeks ago.
0: And you were there with um, other other environmental groups. Who who else was at the meeting with you and, and Marathon?
1: That's correct. I think they probably. Uh, <clears throat> I know they reached out to us to participate. And I think they probably reached out to other groups, who uh, fish-related groups, who were uh, involved in the environmental assessment process and had provided uh, uh, input.
0: And what was what was the agenda for that meeting?
1: So that particular meeting, and we had had several meetings with them uh, over the past couple of years since they uh, uh, even before they proposed or, or registered their proposal with them, with the Department of Environment for environmental assessment. But uh, the purpose of this particular meeting was to um, review with us or provide an update to us regarding their habitat compensation uh, plans. So I guess it's important to to take into consideration that under the EIS that they're they're currently undertaking, um, the federal and provincial governments only required them to look at the impacts um, associated with their mine in the immediate area of the mine, the, the, lo- the local footprint. And the company was not required to look at downstream uh, impacts and to assess those. Under the Fisheries Act, for every kilometer or sorry, every square meter of habitat that you uh, or a company like this uh, destroys during the construction of their, their, their project. Um, they have to provide compensation. So, the purpose of this meeting was just to re, uh, for them to bring us up to speed as to the type of projects, possible projects that they were looking at. Um, there were nine uh, in particular that they were considering, uh, and, uh, and they reviewed uh, most of those with us. Um, if I could give you an example, uh, you know, the type of uh, compensation they were looking at. Uh, for example, one was at uh, Victoria River Steady, and uh, where they're proposing to remove uh, some old uh, pulpwood uh, from the logging days that was uh, on the bottom of the uh, the river system there, and uh, the pulpwood itself. Uh, uh, accumulates a lot of uh, sediment and and, and, and muck as they called it, uh, mm. and so they're hoping that uh, by removing the uh, the pulpwood that uh, a lot of this uh, siltation would be flushed out. Um, but you know, with that particular uh, uh, project, also they indicated that even if they removed the logs, there would be no change in velocity um, in the stream. And so that being the case, there, there probably might not be enough water flow to actually even remove the silt after the after the uh, pulpwood is, is removed. And I mentioned that because with each of the projects that they mentioned, there were some pros and cons. Um, in fact, another one that they mentioned was, um, was at the outlet of Victor, uh, Valentine Lake, uh, where they're looking at changing some uh, rock walls that were uh, uh, put in place uh, years ago uh, during the hydro development phase, um, and uh, so they were looking at uh, there's some fragmentation of the rivers there, and there, so they were looking at uh, possibly, um, uh, you know, uh, channeling some of the water there and improving water velocities. But even with that project, again, one of the cons that they mentioned was if we do that project, we may later on in the development of our mine there. Uh, we may have to go back and, you know, expand our operations into that area. So even if we do to work, we may, have to, we, we may be going in afterwards and doing further damage. So that seemed to be a bit of a theme. And most of the projects we thought were rather small in nature. Uh, and we would have liked to have seen uh, some bigger projects and projects that, well, as you know, under the, the Fisheries Act, um, the Fisheries Act now. The legislation is designed so that if there is a loss of habitat, the department is looking at not only just compensating, but in, in increasing uh, net habitat. So, um, you know, we, you know, I, they're, they're trying to do their job, but uh, but uh, we we would have liked to have seen some some bigger projects that are a bit more meaningful and that would have more of an impact in terms of production and that sort of thing for fish
0: right so this is to compensate for a habitat loss and how how is the habitat being lost what is it that they're trying to compensate for
1: well uh in their the mine itself uh, itself where, where the mine will be built as i mentioned uh there will be sixteen thousand two hundred square meters of habitat loss and that will be lost for example, a number of uh, uh, ponds in the area will have to be filled in or, or, or changed. Um, they will have to be doing a, a lot of, uh, you know, bulldozing and, and things like that. So there will be, um, you know, there could be small streams and stuff uh, in the local area um, that uh, that would be filled in or covered over uh, those sorts of things. And, you uh, yeah. so collectively uh, the mine itself for example the, f- the local footprint of the mine is uh, two kilometers wide by, by 12 kilometers long so that's that's 48 square kilometers just just uh, you know the, the local uh, site of the mine itself yeah so yes. Uh, yeah and certainly then there's uh you know any uh you know they they'll as part of the processing uh, of the ore itself, Um, you know, they're going to be uh, removing um, a lot of water, uh, millions of gallons of water from the uh, headwater ponds of the Exploits River and um, that water uh, is going to be used to process the mine and in, in so doing, they have to add some very toxic um, uh, chemicals to the water. In fact, some of the most toxic chemicals known to man, uh, you're talking about things like uh, arsenic, uh, uh, mercury, cyanide, and so forth. So a lot of that, um, um, uh, th- those chemicals get added to dissolve the rock to, to, to free, the, free the, uh, the gold. And even though the company has tail, uh, tailings management facilities in place and what, what, they, what they refer to as settling ponds or polishing ponds, um, the bottom line is, uh, even though they're going to be treating that toxic water, um, the, the water will then be dumped back into the river system itself um, and uh, into lakes which drain in, into the exploits river. And uh, we were very concerned about that because as I said earlier, um, they were not required to address any downstream impacts. So it's one thing if you're going to be putting, dumping water or effluent back into a river uh, that, that even if it has uh, you know remnants of, of, of these caustic uh, uh, chemicals but if you're going to be doing it every day, 365 days a year for the life of this mine, which I know they say it's, it's, it's going to be at least 13 years but uh, further uh, exploration they've done have shown uh, you know a lot more uh, gold in the area, and every indication is that that mine will be extended, uh, you know, for, for at least several more years, probably up to 20 years. So you know you're going to be continually dumping chemicals into the into that river uh, over over the over the lifespan of that of that mine, and that's one of the biggest concerns we have, and those concerns really aren't being addressed in our opinion to the degree that they should be. Again, the downstream impacts were not required to be addressed. Uh, in by the terms of reference for the EIS.
0: Yeah. So um, just, um, you know, to put it in very simple terms, uh, water runs uh, downhill. So this water will be running down from the waters through the the exploits. And they will say that, oh, it's been it's been cleaned. Uh, You know, we've run it through a process before it's uh, dumped back into the river. But uh, Don, if I gave you a glass of that water, would you drink it?
1: No, and uh, I, I certainly would not. In fact, I was to a meeting uh, recently um, regarding the Matador mine on the Alamort River, and I was speaking to one of the uh, representatives from the from the uh, from uh, who was at that meeting that night, representing company. And uh, I asked him the same question, and he said, "No, I wouldn't drink it either." So, uh, you know, again, th- th- these. Uh, you know the effluent discharges may meet the the mining regulations, but I can assure you, uh, based on what I've seen and read about these projects, um, I, I you know uh, I think you know particularly uh, over time um, there is the potential for for th- this effluent to have significant impact on on fish and fish habitat in that system. Mm. Um, now. That's, that's just from, from the effluent that's being discharged. But you also have to realize that, um, you know, um, there is significant risk, uh, you know, um, to, to fish, wildlife and the environment and, and, and even the people downstream, if there are uh, major failures within the mine itself. For example, if there's a, a dam breach or, or, you know, problems like that, uh, then there there could very well be some significant impacts. In fact, the company recognizes that now the possibility of that happening may not be great, but it's still there. Uh, and but again, the company was not required to address the downstream impacts of their of their operation other than an initial footprint. And we think that was a that was a, a really major oversight by the provincial and federal departments of environment.
0: Hmm. Right, uh, and Marathon is uh, is still in environmental uh, review. They just filed a bunch of documents last month with the Impact Assessment Agency of Canada in regard to requests uh, for their original environmental impact statement. So, I suppose uh, we'll see um, uh, what uh, requirements there are when they, if and when they do clear environmental review, but. Um, but uh, there's not going to be a response to the issue you raised because they're not required to. And that's not, uh, that's not, that's not in the cards, uh, regardless of what uh, uh, the conditions uh, on which they're, they're cleared.
1: That's correct. That's correct. Uh,
0: so let's um, let's move to, uh, to Matador. Now, Matador uh, is an Australian company um, uh, built, uh, uh, trying to develop a mine of Western uh, Newfoundland uh, to the southwest of um, of uh, Marathon and it's part of that big uh, 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 vein of gold that runs uh, from the southwest to the northeast up towards uh, Gander Bay there's one long line of gold that has the uh, the company is excited um, and on episode 150 uh, 150 Mi'kmaq matters we had Keith Bose from matador uh australian company um and you were at a meeting in Isle Mort, i believe don where they were giving information about what they have planned for uh that mine
1: yes they invited us to an information session which took place on i think it was november 3rd in the community of, Isle of Mort. uh the next night i think they have one in port of Basque. and uh yeah so we we were at that meeting and uh you know uh, i guess uh what I can tell you uh, about that particular project is first of all, when we attended the information session, we were surprised to hear that they were actually uh, in the process of preparing their uh, EIS, which they were uh, apparently required to do uh, by, the, uh, by the provincial uh, government when they registered the project. And when I asked when they registered the project, they told me back in 2016. And I, I found that rather odd because uh, you know usually there's a sunset clause associated with uh, you know such projects when they're registered. And in fact, what I was told was that uh, it was initially registered back then. There was a different company involved uh, who, who I, I guess owned the rights, the Benton Company, as I understood, uh, who are no longer involved. But uh, but uh, you know apparently under the uh, the legislation uh, such proponents have the um, opportunity to uh, apply for extensions, which uh, Matador did. And, uh, you know, uh, based on the fact that there were changes with the company and I guess because of COVID-19 and so forth. So um, the project was registered. They've been doing a lot of work, um, you know, preparing their EIS. Um, I was a little disappointed in terms of the level of consultations that they have held. They, uh, um, they are well along with their environmental assessment. Um, but I know for a fact that uh, you know the Anaamoort River is a scheduled salmon river. Um, but they did not consult with any of the leading, uh, you know, wild Atlantic salmon conservation groups in the province, such as the Salmon Council in Newfoundland and Labrador, or the Atlantic Salmon Federation itself. Um, they did uh, consult with um, you know some local uh, groups in the area, some some local outfitters. But to the best of my knowledge, I don't think any of the outfitters in that particular area of the province. Are involved with uh, fishing, particularly on the Ottawa River, so that that kind of caught us off guard and uh, a little bit by surprise. Uh, but as for the mine itself, uh, again, they've discovered uh, you know some high high quality gold um, that's not real deep in the ground. Certainly, it won't involve having um, <clears throat> the deep open open pit mines such as the one being ones being proposed for the Marathon project on the upper exploits. But nonetheless the vein of gold runs directly across the river itself and their, their mine will be built right on the banks of the river, quite literally. And they will have <clears throat> actually to build a bridge to access the um, gold deposits on both sides of the river itself. But once again, uh, what's, what was most disappointing is that, yes, they're going to be treating the water but, uh, or the, the effluent, but again, it's going to be dumped directly back into the Isle of Mort River. And this mine is about 20 kilometers up river. Um, they've done, you know, their, uh, their baseline studies uh, in the area. And, you know, we know for a fact that there's, there's wild Atlantic salmon uses that part of the river. They migrate beyond, beyond where the mine is. Um, they also indicated that they were surprised that, uh, to find that there was such uh, uh, healthy populations of uh, trout in a lot of the uh, adjacent ponds as well. So once again, I mean, you know, um, you know, uh, these type of, uh, when we hear about that, you know, particularly this day and age, I mean, we're not living in the 18th or 19th century anymore. We're living in the 21st century uh, and, uh, you know, things that were acceptable a hundred years ago certainly should not be acceptable today. And, you know, an interesting thing about, about mining uh, is that if you look at the, you know, the federal government has a, uh, um, uh, I, I think what they refer to as a, uh, uh, what's it called? Critical, critical uh, yeah, minerals list. And under the critical minerals list, they identify minerals that Canada needs to have um, to, <clears throat> for, for current needs and future needs. But gold is not on that list. Gold is, gold is not a critical metal that we have to have.
0: It's mostly jewelry,
1: uh, it's, gold it's, is
0: for jewelry and a bit of bullion uh, in the Swiss banks, but it, it doesn't have much of a practical uh, purpose.
1: That's correct. That's correct. And under the critical minerals list, they explain yeah. that the minerals that that, that that make that list, the reason that they need them, uh, and, you know, there's different reasons. But one of the reasons, for example, is that some of the minerals on that critical list uh, will be used to help develop uh, technology that will reduce things like climate change, uh, which is a major priority for, for Canada and, uh, and Newfoundland, and I would say for many places around the world today. Uh, <clears throat> however, if you look at, at this mine, uh, this mine will be, you know, um, <clears throat> dumping lots of, of treated effluent back into the river system. And again, over the life of the mine, Uh, in this case, even seven years, and it it could be longer, depending on exploratory work that they're still doing, Um, you know, the cumulative effects could again be be significant. And uh, so whether, uh, you know, we destroy our our, our river systems due to the impacts of climate change or whether we destroy them by dumping chemicals into the rivers, the results for the fish in that watershed are exactly the same, Mm. you know, and we're going to see those populations decline. I will add as well that the south coast of newfoundland as you're probably aware uh, the department of fisheries and oceans uh, uh, you know they work uh, uh, with the federal department of environment and and they uh, through Kasiouik, the committee on the uh, status of Endangered wildlife in canada they do assessments of uh, you know the health of salmon rivers and other other fish species. Uh, sorry, other wildlife and fish species through, through, throughout uh, uh, Canada. Um, they uh, identified that uh, recommended that all rivers on the south coast be designated as threatened uh, for salmon because populations are are not very healthy at all, and, in fact are quite low. Um, that that. recommendation is currently still sitting on the federal minister of fisheries and the federal minister of environment's desk not much has happened since but again not only are the fish in the river susceptible to any impacts uh, or breaches of the dams and things like that that could occur but 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 if there is a catastrophe uh or if there are cumulative impacts that affect the fish there they're going to be carried downstream out into the ocean and they could potentially be Impacting other fish stocks that are migrating close to that river, on way probably to an adjacent river or a nearby river or other rivers in the in the area. So you know, all in all, these things cause us a, a lot of concern. Um, you know, f- uh, from a you know a more wild salmon conservation group, uh, and I want to point out and, and make clear. I mean, you know, as an organization, we are not opposed to to mining. We're not opposed to aquaculture. Those kinds of things but we are certainly concerned uh, when there are potential impacts like this that could have significant impacts on our wild salmon stocks, particularly those that are threatened. And so, uh, you know, uh, again, uh, you know, this day and age, I think the governments involved have to provide a lot more oversight uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, some of these processes that are being used. And we have to find better ways of dealing with this effluent. It's inevitable that we do, and uh, you know I I, I, I'm I'm very sad to say that uh, I you know I really don't believe that that the public general public is 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 fully aware uh, about you know the impacts associated with those mines and and the potential for them to have such significant impact, and uh, a lot of this has been under the radar, out of mind, out of sight, so to speak. And, uh, you know, but I'll tell you if, if in five years time, for example, a mine like the, the, the Marathon Mine goes ahead and there's a spill and, 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 you know, major spill and these toxic chemicals end up down the watershed and fish start dying during the recreational salmon fishery, people are gonna be asking a lot of questions. People are gonna be quite concerned. Well, it's a little bit too late to, do, to, to be at that particular ta- time the time to make their concerns known is now.
0: Don Ivany is Director of Newfoundland and Labrador Programs for the Atlantic Salmon Federation. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters support our work via patreon.com or by email transfer migma.matters@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I'm Glenn Wheeler. I'm Fittonogba.